Today's episode is presented by Purple Carrot. Purple Carrot is the plant-based subscription meal kit that makes it easy to cook irresistible meals to fuel your body. Each week, choose from an expansive and delicious menu of dinners, lunches, breakfasts, and snacks. Every box is an opportunity to learn and experience something new with easy recipes and fresh pre-portioned ingredients. No shopping, no food waste, just globally inspired, restaurant quality, plant-based meals. Get $30 off your first box by going to purplecarrot.com and entering code PODGO30 at checkout today. That's PODGO30 for $30 off your first Purple Carrot box. Purple Carrot, easiest way to eat more plants. And welcome to Yule Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Sangle. Hello. Hi. Hi. We're going to continue Death's Murder, December. Death's Murder. Death's <laughs> Murder. <laughs> you can't say it normally. Yeah. murder. Dismordor. So, continuing with the theme of awful things, mm-hmm. this week we are going to be talking about Minnie Dean. Have you heard that name before? It's a woman. <laughs> yes. Because I just thought of Tiny Dean instead of Minnie Dean. I was like, Tiny Dean, let's go. <laughs> He was the size of a thumb. <laughs> quite the murderer. <laughs> he gets you in your, in your artery by your thigh. There's a little like thumbtack and he just snaps you in jabs you right in the artery. He comes up on your sleep. You're sitting and just, just goes snap, snap, snap. Runs away. <laughs> Tiny Dean has a tiny knife and he just goes weep. <laughs> He's the worst elf on a shelf ever. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it took it took me probably five long seconds to realize that Minnie was the first name. <laughs> Which is funny because like our great grandmother's name was Minnie. So I should have caught on to that. But it was like Tiny Dean, let's go. <laughs> like, I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Oh, <sighs> This is gonna be good. All right. <laughs> it's not as dark. Maddie is ignorant. <laughs> Let's go. Now we know who's the real Luigi. Got it. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taller. <laughs> so information was pulled from the following sources. A 2019 All That's Interesting article by Hannah McKenna, a 2017 Atlas Obscura article by Natasha Frost, New Zealand History article, I'm probably going to say this wrong, Te Ara, the Encyclopedia of New Zealand, and an article by Lindley Hood. I didn't know they had their own encyclopedia. They do. It's cool. That's really cool. Jenny.com, that's like genetics or genealogy. This is probably one of the coolest sites I have ever found. Really? And I fell down the rabbit hole hard. 
on this site, like, I'm not even joking. I explored the entire Warren, and uh, Funny. you'll see why later. Paperspast.com, Murderpedia, and Wikipedia. All right. And links to all these articles will be included in the show notes. Let's do this. All right, let's start. So Wilhelmina Minnie McCulloch was born on September 2nd, 1844 in Greenock, Renfrewshire, Scotland. Okay. To parents John McCulloch and Elizabeth Swan, not to be confused with the Elizabeth Swan of the Pirates of the Caribbean fame. I was just going to say, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her mom was a pirate. <laughs> she made out with both Johnny Depp and what's his face? Orlando. Orlando Bloom. Bloom. <laughs> we know. We would have got there eventually. So she was the fourth daughter out of eight girls. Wow. A lot of estrogen in that house. That's not, that's, that's not good. <laughs> that's too many hormones. That's a lot of hormones. Like eight of them, even if they were like sparsely, like, like spread pretty far apart. That's a lot of puberty happening for a long time. Ooh. Like, could you imagine? I don't, want, I don't even want to imagine it. That's and like they didn't have screens or they, I mean they just had outside. They're like <laughs> they just had outside. <laughs> they just had outside. You don't get toys or anything. You <laughs> can just go outside. <laughs> Stick. More sticks. Outside. Time things. But you can't because you are a lady. Just outside. A lady. And it's hard. Because dresses and petticoats and all that fun stuff. Oh God, could you imagine being a kid? Sorry. <laughs> End of rant. <laughs> like trying to climb a tree with like all those clothes. Oh my god. Awful. I can't. All right. You are the hoop and someone else is the stick. <laughs> you just roll you down the streets. <laughs> your mom wonders why like that really expensive, stupid frame for your body is broken. And covered in grass stains. And anyway. they couldn't get out because they only used oils instead of soap. <laughs> Let's put more oil on it. Why is this lard not cleaning these grass stains? <laughs> Her father was a railway engineer for the Glasgow, Paisley, and Greenwich Railway. And her mother unfortunately passed from cancer in 1857 at the age of 39. They knew it was cancer? Mm hmm Wow. I'm wondering if she, when they did the autopsy, if she had like tumors and stuff. Probably. 39? 39. So she had eight kids before she was 39. And then she was like, bye. <laughs> she was like, peace out. Not really, but she was like, have fun, John. Have fun. I'm done. Done with all of you. Wow. Yeah. Minnie moved to Launceston, Tasmania, Australia, eventually, and passed herself off as an educated woman of middle class status. Passed herself off? Yeah. She's like, I'm smart. I'm educated. I'm educated. I'm educated. It's not known exactly when she emigrated, but her daughter, Ellen Ann, was born in Launceston in 1860. Okay. So before then, or like by then at the latest. Yes. Got it. And according to Jenny.com or Genie.com, whatever, Genie.com, which Probably makes it sound exotic it does. and mystical, it's believed she moved to New Zealand in 1862 to live with an aunt who was one of the original settlers of the Otago area. 
And at that time, she traveled with her daughter, Ellen, who is now age two, as she was pregnant with her second daughter, Isabella, who was born in 1863. Okay. At that time, she claimed she was the widow of a Tasmanian surgeon named Frederick McPhee, but no evidence of this marriage has ever been verified. And regardless, she was still going by her birth name of McCulloch. So she's really well-educated and good at lying. Yep. Awesome. And no birth or death certificates have ever been found to verify this man's identity. He's a ghost. (laughs) He's a ghost. (laughs) Ghost dad. Ghost surgeon. (laughs) So regardless, Minnie took up a career as a teacher in the Southland region and married Charles Dean in 1873 at the age of 29. He was an innkeeper. That would have been late. Yeah. Well, I mean, she also had two children. Yep. And she was a widow. She had a lot of um, sassy bits to her name yep. during that time. He was an innkeeper, and the two married at his home in Ethel Creek, Southland. At the time okay. of their marriage, the gold rush of the 1860s at Ethel Creek was over, turning the town to nothing more than another ghost town. So in 1878, Charles purchased 300 acres and took up farming. By 1882, he was raising a flock of 150 sheep on land that had become infested with rabbits. Oh, no. And at that time, his property was valued at 1,200 pounds or 145,000 pounds today. But just two years later in 1884, the land boom collapsed, leaving the Deans bankrupt. Yeesh. And he lost the farm just six months later, leaving the family in complete destitution. Awesome. And like that was a time, too, where women really didn't work. Mm-hmm. Not good. Not good at all. At this time, both of Minnie's daughters had married and left home. That's good, at least. Ellen Ann married James Shepard Milne, and Isabella married his brother, William Dawson Milne. So that's kind of funny. That is kind of weird. Unfortunately, in August of 1882, Ellen passed at the age of 22 after she drowned herself and her two children, two-year-old John Henry and two-month-old Ellen Ann, in their home well. It's believed that she suffered from a case of postnatal depression, and she committed suicide and drowned her children while her husband was away on a trip. That's just awful. Especially since even if they knew that, they didn't have any mm-hmm. sort of way to help. Well, and I read that... Aside from just, like, drugging. Yeah. And I read that, like, no one knew that she was depressed. Like, by all intents and purposes, she was super happy and... Mm-hmm. That's that's postpartum, though. Mm-hmm. People, people are still not quite understanding that you can, you can be a, a functional human in society and still be super depressed. Yeah. Like most, I, I mean, if this, if tw- this year, 2020 has taught us anything is uh functional depression is very much a thing and we all have it. Yep. <laughs> God bless us, everyone. We all have <laughs> seasonal depression, year, year long depression. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, that's too bad. Wow. Yeah. And in a well too. Ooh. Yeah. Not good. Now empty nesters at the ages of 44 and 36, respectively. That's crazy. Yeah. They adopted a four-year-old girl named Margaret Cameron in 1880. In 1887, the family of three moved to Winton, Southland, New Zealand, where they purchased the Larches, a two-story or seven-to-eight-room home on 22 acres of land outside of town. 
the home had been abandoned some two years previous due to the previous owners skipping out on their mortgage. Could you imagine if we could get away with that now? How many people would be doing that? Yeah, no shit. Okay, bye. Yeah, bye. Have fun with this. Unfortunately for the Deans, the house burned down shortly after they took possession of it. So Charles got to work building them a two-room cottage on the land with a lean-to. He then began raising pigs, and many turned to raising unwanted babies for money. Oh, no. I kind of see where this is going. Yeah, so trigger warning. Oh, many. There will be children dying in this. (sighs) None of them are going to be as bad as Fanny Adams. That's good. At least. Um, But if infanticide is something that is triggering for you, um, please practice self-care and maybe not listen to the rest of this episode. That being said, let's continue. (laughs) So as gross as it probably sounds to us now, the practice of quote unquote baby farming was common at this time. Wow. That's what they called it. Yep. Baby farming. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. I can just hear all of the social workers like screeching in their cars. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Man. Okay. Baby farming. Let's yep. go. So this was a common practice at this time as effective contraception wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. abortions were dangerous and often ended in the death of the mother as well as the child and unmarried women were basically seen and treated as undesirables and social pariahs yeah that we all knew yep it's not yeah i didn't know about the the baby farm knowing this many would put out discreet ads in the newspaper such as the following quote respectable married woman comfortable home in the country wants to adopt an infant address childless times office, end quote. So that basically told you like how to let her know yeah, how to reach her. And unsurprisingly, many desperate women responded to these kind of ads. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. A legal agreement would be signed for the majority of the babies she took in. Some taken in for five to eight shillings a week. And I couldn't figure out how to translate that to anything now. Hmm. When was this, like, 1850? No, this was, like, 1880s. While others would be adopted outright to the tune of 10 to 30 pounds, or 1,300 to 3,900 pounds today. And in New Zealand, the infant mortality rate for children of European descent was extremely low, with only 80 to 100 out of 1,000 living past infancy. Wow. I guess it would mean it was extremely high. The infant mortality rate was extremely high. Knowing this, and with up to nine children under the age of three living with the deans at the larches at any one time, it was inevitable that there would be some deaths, whether from illness, accident, maltreatment, or neglect. Oh, I'm sorry. You said it was seven shillings? Five to eight shillings a week. Five to eight shillings. Oh, but this is saying pounds, I think. Yeah, I tried converting it and I could not find a good way to do the conversion. Because this is saying it's like $800 a week. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, because people, it was basically like either paying for childcare or just outright lump sum. So it was either like a weekly maintenance fee or just take this money and take my kid. 
So one was the death of May Irene Dean, who was born April 1889 and formally adopted by the Deans. She died at six months on October 29th, 1889, from convulsions after three days of illness. Okay. In 1890, 10-year-old Esther Wallace was formally adopted by the Deans after her grandparents could no longer care for her as they already had 12 children of their own to contend with. Her grandparents had 12 children? Mm -hmm. So her mom was unwed. So her grandparents took Esther in and kind of pawned her off as one of their kids. Wow. Okay. The next noted death was that of Bertha Curry in 1891, who passed at one day old from inflammation of the heart valves and congestion of the lungs. At an inquest that was held following the death, many shared the living arrangements of the then 10 children that were in her care. As noted in the May 21st, 1895, the Winton Baby Farmer article in the North Otago Times, Minnie is quoted as saying, three of the children slept in her bed and four others in small boxes in her room. Two slept with Mr. Dean in the lean-to, and one with her adopted daughter, Maggie Cameron, in the kitchen. That sounds terrible. So that was ten kids under her roof, mm-hmm. in addition to her two adopted daughters. And, and her husband. two person in a two-home cottage. Yep. A medical witness at the 1891 inquest reported at that time that the dead infant and the remaining children at the Larches were well-nourished and cared for, but that the home in which they lived was inadequate to caring for so many children. Yeah. Which, obviously... Just, well, I mean, if, if two of them are sleeping in the kitchen and several are sleeping in boxes, yep. that's not a, an efficient home. Nope. Minnie was exonerated by the coroner but advised to reduce the number of children under her care and to improve the living conditions of her current charges. She continued, as always, after a small reduction in the number of kids she was caring for. The inquest into the death of the infant at the Dean's Farm caused quite a stir in the community, especially when just six weeks later, sickly John Clark, who has also been listed as Henry Cockerell, died at just one year old after going missing on the property. Okay. At this point in time, Minnie came under suspicion and was linked to other baby farmers in Britain and Australia who would murder infants for financial gain. Yep. The local police were also keeping a close eye on Minnie as she had tried unsuccessfully to take out life insurance policies on some of the infants in her care. She tried to take life insurance policies on infants. Yep. Okay. Even though, you know, mortality rates are extremely high and chances are a good number of them would pass. Yep. So denied. Yeah. Yeah. And although no more deaths were reported, rumors flew in the community that children had begun to mysteriously disappear from the Dean home. Awesome. Missing children included four-year-old Cyril Scowler, who disappeared from the Larches in April of 1893, and five-year-old Sidney McKernan, who also disappeared in 1893. Minnie began dealing with parents at this time under assumed names and went so far as to bury the next child that died under her care in her garden to avoid another inquest. Awesome. The child was four-year-old Willie Felon, the biological son of Mary Olson. Mary had put Willie in Minnie's care, with Minnie later asking for more maintenance costs from Mrs. Olson as the child was, quote, an imbecile. Great. So he's already dead, but give me more money. Well. We don't know if he was dead at that time. Mm. 
Yeah. Mrs. Olsen was noted as claiming that he had been born with, quote, water on the brain, and he hadn't been expected to live past the age of seven. Water on the brain, would that be fetal alcohol syndrome, potentially? I think that was their way of saying he potentially had, like, mental retardation or some sort of... Some sort of Down um, syndrome-like... Yeah, some sort of um, deficiency or disability. Water on the brain. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard that. Following his death, Minnie wrote a letter to Mrs. Olson, which is quoted as follows. Quote, Dear Mrs. Olson, the skeleton of the child found in my garden at the larches is that of your child, Willie Phelan. He fell accidentally into the well. I believe he was chasing fowls. I did all I could to restore animation, but could not succeed. I shed bitter tears over him, as bitter as any mother. End quote. But it was his skeleton she found? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So you can revive a skeleton. This was, yeah. Cool. She is deranged. Years later at her trial, Margaret, the dean's first adopted daughter and the oldest of her brood after Minnie's biological daughters, testified that Minnie did not treat Willie well. She would knock him down, grab his hair, and smack his head against the floor as she held a huge dislike for him due to his mental deficiencies. Yeah, that sounds way more accurate. And a fun fact, it was revealed that Minnie was a drunk, but would only commit abusive acts towards the children when she was sober. Wow, that's worse. That's way worse. Margaret continued that when Willie first, quote unquote, disappeared, Minnie had stated that he had been adopted by a woman in Invercargill which was a nearby town. So it could have been easily found out where he was. However, when he was later found drowned in the well, it was assumed that he had been murdered. Yeah, absolutely. The authorities were understandably suspicious of Minnie, given all the rumors spread about her. But because of the child welfare laws of the day, they had no legal right to enter her property and question her. Minnie also wasn't required by law to keep records of her charges. Oh, yeah, I forgot that... um... On top of not caring about women, they didn't care about children during this time. Yep. Like at all. Because this was when like child labor was still very much a thing. Yep. In August of 1892, the owner of a boarding house in Christchurch called the police when he saw that a woman had acquired a three-week-old baby during her time at the boarding house. Minnie had adopted it for 25 pounds or 3,200 pounds today from a single mother and had it for only two days before it was removed from her custody by a detective before she had a chance to leave town. I'm assuming we're going to find out why baby was removed. I think the guy was just suspicious of it. Like he just thought it was very odd that this older woman would just suddenly appear with a, with a three week old baby when she had like come to this boarding house without a child. And then now all of a sudden had a child. Yeah. Shit hit the fan on May 2nd, 1895, when Minnie Dean boarded a train at Milburn, carrying a young baby, later identified as Ava Hornsby, and a hat box before she was later seen disembarking with just the hat box and nothing more. Jane Hornsby, the woman who had given her one-month-old granddaughter to Minnie at the Clarendon station, along with the money that Minnie required for her care, contacted the police and was later taken to the Larches. After searching Minnie's home and finding clothing that belonged to Ava, Minnie Dean was arrested and charged with infanticide. What wasn't noted was that Ava wasn't the only child that Minnie obtained on a train that day. She also acquired Dorothy Edith Carter, who was 11 months old, 
and murdered her with an overdose of laudanum, which was commonly used at that time to calm irritable infants. I wonder what that really is. It's some sort of opiate. Yeah, I would do it. (laughs) Upon later investigation into the life and death of Dorothy, it came out that a chemist from Bluff sold laudanum on April 30th to a woman named Mrs. Gray. The same Mrs. Gray that Mrs. Cox met with at the Bluff Hotel when she unknowingly put her illegitimate granddaughter in the care of Minnie Dean with the intention of paying her 10 pounds to adopt her. And I forgot to convert that. I'm sorry, but like, I, I, I know, I know having a child that, that this time would be really hard, but you have to know at some level that selling your granddaughter or selling your daughter or son, they're not going to go to a good place. Yeah. They're not. But they also didn't really have orphanages. I know. I know. But like for these people that are like shocked that something bad happened to their kid when they did this shady practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, if if we've learned anything for like the past, like several thousand hundred years is that we're all terrible. Yeah. <laughs> we're all, it's not inherently good. We're all inherently terrible and we sometimes make good choices. Yeah. So I just, I have a, I'm having a hard time with like, some of the grandparents that are like, what? They're dead? It's like, mm. yeah. I, I want to believe you, but I also, like, you gave up the kid. Yeah. Like, there were lots of kids that thought their grandmothers were their parents. Yeah. So, but I also, I don't know their situation. But yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging, but I'm also saying it couldn't have been that surprising if the term baby farming was a thing. Yeah. Baby farming. Oh my God. I thought puppy mills were terrible. I honestly thought puppy mills were terrible. Yeah. And then baby farming came up and rent. I don't know if you want to include that or not. <laughs> I probably will. <laughs> After her arrest, police searched along the railroad tracks for any sign of the missing infants, Ava Hornsby and Dorothy Edith Carter. Yeah. When the searches turned up nothing, they then looked at the largest property itself. They soon unearthed the recently buried remains of two babies, as well as the skeleton of a boy, the remains of Willie Fallon. Upon examination, a coroner determined that young Ava had died from asphyxiation. The bruises on the back of her neck post-mortem suggested that a cloth had been held over her face as she was forcibly smothered. Awful. Awful, awful, awful. At the time of her arrest, the remaining children under her care were removed from her home. Uh, baby son Gray, Ethel Maud Hay, Florence Smith, Cecil Guilford, and Arthur Wilson. The ages and birth parents of all of these children are unknown as far as my research could determine. But they were saved. But they were saved. Wow. And how many was that? That was a lot of names. Five? That was five kids. I mean, I'm glad it finally stopped. Yep. And they, they did. They saved five lives. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. By this point, Minnie Dean was publicly seen as a murderer. Yep, because she is. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Publicly seen. Yep. And the community were out for blood. Yep. Her husband, Charles, was also arrested, but a lower court dismissed the charges against him after his hearing. The Supreme Court trial for Minnie began on June 18, 1895 in Invercargill for the murder of Dorothy Edith Carter. 
a number of witnesses came forward to offer testimony on how they had seen Dorothy in Minnie's care on April 30th at Bluff before she returned to Winton for a couple nights. When she left again with the child before taking the train to Clarendon, she had an empty hat box with her. Upon reaching Clarendon to collect Ava Hornsby, Dorothy was no longer with her, but Minnie's hat box was now sporting something that made it quite heavy. And keep in mind, she was 11 months old. She was 11 months old? Yeah. So she just stuffed her body in that hat box. In a hat box, yeah. Once she returned to Winton, neither of the children were with her, just her heavy hat box and some parcels. Fun fact, during her trial, macabre souvenirs were reportedly sold in the form of dolls in small hat boxes. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, but anybody who is about to at us that people are inherently good, um, just repeat what the souvenirs were. Uh, dolls and small hat boxes. Okay, I rest my case. Thank you. (laughs) Like, if I could drop this mic, I would. Yeah. But I won't because I love your ears. And I love you. Minnie's defense counsel, renowned lawyer Alfred Hanlon, argued that Dorothy's death was accidental. Oh, of course. But the judge didn't seem inclined to agree. I wonder why. Yeah. Minnie refused to take the witness stand, and on June 21st, 1895, she was found guilty of the murder of Dorothy Edith Carter and sentenced to death. Good! An appeal was made on her behalf, but was denied. While waiting for her execution date to arrive, Minnie wrote a 49-page account of her activities. She confessed to everything? She wrote a bunch of stuff down, yeah. So she noted that in addition to the adoption of Margaret Cameron and Esther Wallace, 26 children had been under her care at one point or another between 1889 and 1895, 16 of which were born out of wedlock. So she's just trying to be like, society's wrong, not me. Yep. Cool. Six were documented as deceased and one was taken back by their biological family. Thank God. Maybe. The five children who were taken from the larches that I noted earlier after she was arrested were said to be in good health. That's really good. I honestly was wondering. Yeah. So from what I read, it didn't sound like any of the children were neglected per se. Like all the reports said that the children that they did see were well cared for and well nourished. Like if you remember before when they had the inquest after the deaths of the infants, they did say all these kids are healthy. They seem to be well taken care for, even with these horrible conditions they were living in. So at least in that respect, um, she had some. She had some moral fiber. She had some weird, messed up decency that, like, was. And maybe that was part of the charm in these people giving her their children is they probably saw these other kids and were like, "Well, if they're really good, well cared for, then mm-hmm. my child will be well cared for too." Yeah. And that, in their mind, made it okay. Right. Because, I mean, you have to if you're if you're put in that situation, you have to assume that something good would happen because, I mean, that's an impossible situation. Yeah, it really is. I was being really mean earlier, but. Well, I mean, you would have assumed with the, with the term like baby farming that they were all going to be like treated like crap and, right. you know, neglected. But what kills me is like, how did she how did she pick who was who was handled nicely and who was tortured? I honestly feel like with the two infants that died, that it wasn't neglect, especially if you consider that one of them died at one day old and it was from like... Yeah, that was probably SIDS. Yeah. And the and the six month old that died, that could have been anything. You know what I mean? I mean, you got to yeah. consider there was this high mortality rate 
for infants. So I honestly don't think those two kids were murdered. I think it was... That was accidental. That was accidental. But she definitely did murder. I believe she definitely did murder the um, Willie, the child that had the mental deficiencies. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like she murdered him because he would have been a lot of work. He would have been difficult because um, like children, children naturally are inherently difficult. That's just kind of how it is. But I feel like if she had up to eight other children she was caring for at that time, two of which were her biological children or adopted children, that she would have probably gotten very frustrated that she had to spend so much time caring for this one child when she had seven others, potentially, that she had to take care of at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So not that it makes it okay. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... But everybody has a breaking point, and yeah. it sounds like that was when she snapped. So I'm just saying, based off the evidence, that is my assumption of what happened. Yeah. But even with all of this, it still doesn't make the fact that she put babies in hat boxes okay. Yes. So for everyone keeping track at home, that puts the current total of 14 out of 26 children accounted for. Many states that seven children were adopted by families who wanted to keep the adoptions undocumented. So let's pretend that's true. Okay. That still leaves five unaccounted for children. Yeah. That could have died in the same manner of like SIDS. It was an accident and she just didn't. Because again, she didn't have to keep a record of the kids that were under her care. I mean, that's just, an, I, the, that's so insane to me. Like I, cause you know, I, we only really hear of like the cruel practices in the U.S., Mm-hmm. You know, since we're from the United States and like how children were treated and um, still to this day can be treated. Yes. And like child labor and, and all of these practices. But you have to it's it's hard to stomach that um, that doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter where you come from mm-hmm. that like just at that time, I think probably because the survival rate was so awful. Nobody cared about kids. Yeah. <laughs> kids were pretty useless. And so. Yeah. Yeah. That's just tough. Yeah. The public believed that she had potentially murdered the remaining children and the seven that were, quote unquote, adopted in secret. But again, to play devil's advocate, it was never even considered that some could have died by accident or illness. And like we said earlier, remember that the infant mortality rate was super high. Yeah. And I'm sure she wouldn't have wanted to let people know that other babies have died in her care, whether it was natural or not. Especially after those first two where she became where she came under suspicion. So and again, they only found those three bodies on her property. So yeah, who knows how hard they actually look. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It's all bad. It's, it's all, all bad. bad. Like, Because you keep flipping back and forth of like, well, maybe she wasn't a terrible person. It's like, no, she definitely was a terrible person. We just don't know the extent of her terribleness. Yeah. And the government was terrible everywhere. Mm-hmm. We just don't know the extent of the terribleness. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And like the, the other families too, like the ones that wanted to keep it secret. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Yeah. You know, like it's just all bad. It's all yeah. bad. nothing good could come of this but yeah yeah so three months after her arrest minnie dean was hanged by executioner tom lang at inver cargill jail they tried to trick me by by spelling it gowl again 
And I was like, I'm not going to fall for your tricks, New Zealand. I'm going to open my cubby and look at the pronunciation. I know how I'm supposed to say this. She was hanged on August 12, 1895. She was the first and last woman to be executed in New Zealand. Wow. That's a huge deal. And was buried in Winton Cemetery in an unmarked grave with her husband, Charles, later joining her in 1908 after passing in a house fire. So he was 73 and Minnie was 51 at the time of her death. Okay, honestly, that's pretty old for that era, isn't it? 70s and like 50s is probably more par for the course. Yeah. Like he was 73. That's kind of impressive. Yeah. And honestly, though, like he had to have been involved in some form. Maybe. Well, and not, to get, not, to get, not to get super gross. Uh-oh. Remember, they were raising pigs. <sighs> no. You're right. Not that anyone made that connection or said that. Yeah, but like with us, just like. With us being as gross and as morbid as we are. No, I was just going to say with us, like reading these cases of pigs eating people because they're starving. And, and pigs just eating anything that you feed them. Yeah, pe- pigs just eat to to live. They just eat to eat. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to go on record as saying anything, but I'm just oh, saying. I'm just saying that could I would be not a- be surprised if that was actually what happened. Yeah, it could have been, and he might have known, and he might not have known. Yep, if she was helping with the farming. Yeah. Because they never did say if they still had pigs. Yeah. But I would assume they would if they were trying to feed all those kids. Yep. So here's the article on the execution of Mrs. Dean from the August 13th, 1895 edition of Invercargill. Literally the day after. Yeah. That would have been hot off the presses. Wow. Oh, yes. Quote, Minnie Dean was executed this morning. She slept from 1130 p.m. till three o'clock this morning. She took no breakfast, only a sip from the glass of spirits given her by the jail surgeon. At three minutes to eight, the sheriff demanded her body, and at two minutes past eight, Mrs. Dean was dead. Don't let them keep me in agony, doctor, were her parting words to the surgeon. She marched from the cells with her arms pinioned behind and up the steps of the scaffold onto the trap door, apparently the most self-possessed of the dismal procession. She stood hatless and erect, facing the west, while the hangman adjusted the rope and placed the white cap on. In reply to the question of the sheriff, do you wish to say anything before you leave this world? She said, quote, no, except that I am innocent. I hate when they say that because that is saying something. Yes. No, but like, I'm innocent. <laughs> no, like, but like, I didn't do it. But also, like, can I can I have like five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> After her legs were pinioned, she said, Oh God, let me not suffer. The hangman drew the lever and all was over, death being instantaneous. That was really lucky because I doubt the children she mothered to death didn't suffer. Yeah. So I'm going to briefly go over the aftermath. Okay. So obviously Minnie's trial brought to light a number of issues regarding the care of children. Yep, I would hope so. And major advances in child welfare were put into motion as a result. Good. New Zealand passed the Infant Life Protection Act of 1893 and the Infant Protection Act of 1896. Wow. What do those mean? So the Infant Life Protection Act of 1893 
stated that any home that receives payment for looking after infants under the age of two for more than three consecutive days must be licensed as foster homes and were subject to police inspection. That's really great. That's really like before 1900. Mm -hmm. They were so progressive. Mm -hmm. And the Infant Protection Act of 1896 covered all infants up to the age of four and required all prospective caregivers and their homes to be subject to close scrutiny before a license would be granted. Full records had to be kept, annual reapplications were mandatory, and licensees knew from the get-go that they would lose their means of livelihood if they were found guilty of cruelty to any infant, if they maintained an excessive number of children in the home, or if they failed to give notice of an infant's death. I honestly wonder if the U.S. had anything even close to this at this time. I don't know. But this is, I mean, uh, this is what should happen when you find out really terrible things like this exist. Yep. Um, so honestly, kudos to New Zealand for like stepping up. Because when, when, was she, when did she die? 1895. So a year later. Mm-hmm. That's really fast legislation. And two years before she was arrested, they put in the one about infants under two. So the practice wasn't super great, but like it was there. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't catch her, but yeah. Minnie Dean has also become a bit of a boogeyman figure in Southland, New Zealand, as misbehaving children are threatened to get sent to live with her. Oh, that is just mean. Yeah. Oh, that is, see, oh God, people are so terrible. I'm sorry. I keep going back and forth, but we are. <laughs> people in, in stupid flesh sacks, like trying their best. Known as the baby killer of the South Island or the Southland witch, the stories told of her now state that she killed infants with a hat pin while dressed all in black. But fun fact, hat pins didn't actually come to New Zealand until like several years after her death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they called her a witch, so (laughs) just a woman trying to make some money. A wildflower in Southland has been named after her, and if it appears in your garden, it is supposed to be torn out and burnt. There is also an urban legend that nothing will grow on her grave. And that is the crazy story of Wilhelmina Minidine. Wow. So I was all bad. (laughs) I was all bad. We'll probably raise a bunch of questions from our listeners. Mm-hmm. So apologies, Lindsay, as you manage our Twitter mostly. <laughs> if like anything I say causes us like I blame you. Garbage fire. But like you can don't don't add us for people are terrible. Like you wouldn't listen to this and be like, you know, <laughs> we're we're all inherently awesome. Like that's not because I'm not saying we're not awesome. It wouldn't be called ye old crime if we were all super awesome. <laughs> right. Like it's forever. Like we're bad things happen all the time. No yeah. matter what. So just like choose to rise above the trash. You know, mm-hmm. most of us do. Yeah. It's just some, some people are just like really reveling in that trash life. Yeah. Being garbage people. Yep. And honestly, in, in, in 2020, I do not blame you for like reveling in your trash, your trash fantasies. Just do your best to try to live by the golden rule of treating others how you want to be treated. Yeah. Yep. If you don't want to be murdered and put in a hat box, maybe say good morning to your neighbors every day. (laughs) Like, I'm just just saying. Be like, wow, wow, is that a hat box? (laughs) (laughs) There is a hat box. Oh, my God. 
Hey there, do you like movies, cartoons, video games, anime, and everything in between? Then we have a show for you. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Every week, Josh and Ben bring you all the latest and greatest in movie reviews, news, commentaries, interviews, special guests, and tons of bonus episodes. New episodes come out every Monday. We also make great nerdy content on our YouTube channel. You can find our show anywhere podcasts are found. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Your one stop for all your nerdy needs. Stay nerdy, my friends. So this week's podcast plug Ooh. is For Nerds by Nerds, which is run by our bestie Josh and Ben. Hi. We've submitted segments on their show in the past. Mm-hmm. And I was actually... did we talk about Biker Mice from Mars? Yes, we did. <laughs> or no, we talked about... That was when we talked about um, Voltron and My Little Pony. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was actually a guest on an episode where Josh and I talked about our favorite and least favorite werewolves. Awesome. Very important work. You guys are yes. Doing. We're doing God's work. <laughs> um, Josh and Ben watch and discuss various movies. They have fun segments, invite guests on their show. And if you like to laugh, it's a great show to listen to. So you should definitely give Four Nerds by Nerds a listen. Yeah, actually, if you want to do that now as like a palate cleanser from this episode, <laughs> you probably should. Like, honestly, yes. even even like the discussion of werewolves won't be as dark. As it's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And this week's question is from Amanda of the Terrible People Doing Terrible Things podcast. That fits. Yep. And she wants to know, what was the most recent dream you had that you can remember? Oh, um, do you have one? I have part of one don't say I, it. so i typically don't dream or if yeah. i don't i don't remember them mm-hmm. um and i should have written down when i woke up this morning like what i was dreaming about before i woke up but uh there was something in there about tom hiddleston as loki and the new like loki series that's coming to disney plus next year oh yeah all the marvel things are coming out soon aren't they yes yes in the spring and I am super excited for the Loki series because I love Tom Hiddleston. And See, his that's funny. I, big ass hands. Yeah. He's, I don't know. I think it's the forehead for me. I don't know. I just love how he portrays Loki. I think he does an awesome job. He does a good job because Loki's a very complicated being. Mm-hmm. I just think he's funny. So, yeah. so I think well, they really, it, they haven't let him do a lot of character development in the movies. <laughs> Yeah, he just gets beaten up all the time. Yeah, he just gets beaten up, and then he's like, Bye. So I love Thor. Hey, Thor, I did. Oh, no. <laughs> Am I dead? Green smoke. So yeah, it has something to do with Loki. I can't remember much else, but funny. Um, I I do get dreams mostly because like if my blood sugar gets low in the middle of the night and I have to eat something or like drink apple juice, I get really weird like sugar fueled dreams. Um, and I've been low a couple of times in the middle of the night, so I've had to do that. And I have like these weird fusion dreams where like I'll be in our hometown of Lamar's and then it'll like transform into Minneapolis and it'll be like a weird, like I can just walk down the street and suddenly I'm in Iowa and then I can just like walk up the street and now I'm in Wisconsin. And I'm like, wow, this is really <laughs> um, traveling so easy right now. 
But I'm trying, I don't have any, I can't really remember any like details, details on like why I was there. Mm-hmm. But this is a good question. It kind of makes me want to like start writing down my dreams to see like, because there was one I did have after my my boyfriend and I, we became boyfriend and girlfriend that like I did have one of those quintessential dreams of like him cheating on me or like breaking up with me. Yeah. And then like I woke up and I was like, you broke up with me. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> and like, I didn't stay mad or anything, but um, I was like, I, you know, people always talk about how they have those dreams. Mm-hmm. And I never experienced it until recently. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Like you do kind of sit in it for a minute after yeah. you wake up of like heartbreak. And then you, you turn around and you see him and you're like, you're trash. <laughs> maybe that one's probably one that I have the most memories of is I can't I feel like it was even like a like a super stupid reason of him just being like yeah I'm done and then he like walked off yeah he wouldn't do that in real life so through the magic of editing part yeah. of what I am putting in after this is a conversation that Maddie and I had earlier in this episode mm-hmm. that is sort of a palate cleanser yep Oh my God, hold on. I have to show you this because, so I was looking at free stuff on Craigslist after work yesterday because I've been in the market for a couch and this was on my screen and you have to see it. Aww. it it's a it's a really sad and very used and duct taped. Oh, sorry. Barb wired, not barb wired. B-A-R-B space wired. Thanks, Barb. <laughs> it's a Bob and Barb wired. <laughs> Bob and Barb wired it for you. Um, but Rudolph uh, was decapitated. This little he, had a, he had a ski accident. It crashed while on a ski trip. Can be repaired with Elmer's. Nose included free. Will need experience with navigation devices. It's really a cute. This, I just... This Rudolph, he's like his eyes are so beady, and they're like too close to his ears. Yeah, they're too far away from his nose, and they are way too close to his ears. But I saw that, and I was like, we have to stop recording just for a second and appreciate this like horror story, Rudolph. My God, but that is a a chef's kiss, Craigslist ad. If I've ever seen that, is a thing of beauty. It was in the free stuff. I don't know why. Clearly, it's a masterpiece. Bob and Barb wired. <laughs> it's Bob and Barb from wiring him. It's really nice of you. <laughs> you guys are both wops. What a pal. <laughs> Real wops there. <laughs> now we're going to transition into something good okay or something good do you want to go first this this week i can because i actually thought of something ahead of time 
Wow. Okay. I did my homework for this week. Yeah. <laughs> Today, Sunday, we're recording. Mm-hmm. It's Kona's birthday. <gasps> Happy birthday, Kona. Is she two? She is one. <gasps> Kona is one year old today. What are you going to do for her birthday? Anything fun? I don't know. Maybe I'll give her a big old thing of peanut butter or something. Or You know what I did for Willie? Mm-hmm. Uh, or what I do every year is I, if I can, I go to his favorite, like I go to a pet store to get like a no hide phone for him mm-hmm. to non. Uh, but when I sing him happy birthday, because I'm that kind of a person, I do like a whipped cream and I mm-hmm. write the number on whipped cream on a plate. So you could like smear peanut butter <laughs> on a plate that, in the shape of a one and give it to her. I have some of that like spray stuff for a tongue so stuff. Maybe yeah. I'll do that on a plate for her yeah. or on top of her like food in her dish. Happy birthday. You're one. Happy birthday. Yeah. Awesome. Have you thought of anything in that short window I just gave you? Uh, yeah. So, um, like, I don't know. Full disclosure, I have not had a good week, like, mentally. I think all of us have had a kind of shitty weeks. There's there's really no particular re- There's nothing I can really pinpoint as to, like, why I've been feeling bad. But I do have, like, seasonal affective disorder. Same. And um, with it being, like, pitch black at, like, 4 o'clock... I feel like it happened really quickly and it just like sucked the life out of me. And like, I stopped taking Willie on long walks at night the past week and I've just haven't been feeling super great, but I will say, I think the something good was, uh, we recently uh, met up in a parking lot with, with my parents to do a gift swap for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, um, like one, it was really great to see you. Mm-hmm. And two, it was like, I'm just really excited for you guys to get your gifts. Mm-hmm. And like, even though we won't be celebrating together, uh, just the fact that we are still able to like get each other gifts mm-hmm. was, is like a privilege. And I'm just really excited to see how you guys like them. And I don't know, like just that kind of like anticipation of you guys opening the presents was, was my good thing this week. Cause I feel like I've been living Murphy's law this week. Like everything that could go wrong did mm-hmm. in like very small forms. So I'm just really excited that that kind of brought me joy. That brought me back of like just kind of existing out of myself for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody just stay safe, stay sane. I know that's easier said than done, but we'll get there. Yeah. Keep checking into you, what you're doing for, for your own physical health, but also for your mental health. Like, please, please do like brain candy things and watch like stupid YouTube videos or like do a puzzle or find a game that you really like. Or like, honestly, even like if there's a snack that you just love, that's a holiday snack, make that snack and eat it and just like do, do little bits of self-care because Mm -hmm. it's really important, especially now because we love you and we appreciate you Mm -hmm. and we want you to have as, as good of a trash Christmas as possible and the trash year of 2020. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to be great, but you can, you can make it okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll step off my box now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for my TED talk. Yep. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, plugs, you can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. You can also email us at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Just send us whatever. 
Yeah, yeah. we're here. You could just be like ASL, LOL. Because <laughs> we'll know what that means. Mm-hmm. We might not give it to you, but like, appreciate it. Yeah. Or maybe we'll just send you a fun YouTube video. Yeah. You can send us fun YouTube videos too. Yeah. Uh, the best thing you can do for us and the great way to support the show would be to leave a five star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. They really help us get discovered and it helps with visibility. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're helping other people find us without like sharing links essentially. So I know it seems really silly, but like I did that to my favorite podcast when I first started listening. Cause I was like, this is dumb, but okay. And then like, now I know why yep. <laughs> it's so important. So yep. I mean, it's, it's something, if you don't mind logging into your accounts to do it, we appreciate it. It doesn't take very long and it means the world to an independent podcaster. Absolutely. We are independent. It's all Lindsay. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I literally just roll out of bed and I'm like, what am I making fun of today? <laughs> so <laughs> please support Lindsay. <laughs> Thanks. Please. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so with a one-time donation on buying me a coffee. You could do it on a monthly basis by joining our patreon for as low as five dollars a month we do have lots of fun content i do put up video outtakes from the show there are definitely going to be some gems from this one that you will only be able to see (laughs) on patreon (laughs) yeah we were not awake yet no Um, there was some shenanigans very obvious went off the rails a little bit which no why would we do that (laughs) we don't do that not at all (laughs) that's a lot of character for us Liars. And you can also, if you're so inclined, rep our show by purchasing some merch at our Tea Public store. Honestly, the Scully's really cute. Like you do, it doesn't even say our name. So it could be like a, only the real ones know. Kind only of. the true fans know. Yeah. So you have like this bomb skull sweatshirt and everybody's like, What's this? And you're like, actually, it is uh, my favorite podcast, Field Crime. Yep. So listen. You should you should check it out. And I know I always say this, but new designs will be coming soon. I have taken some time off during the holidays. So hopefully I can crank some stuff out. Well, and honestly, too, if you guys missed Willie shirts, his birthday is next month. So something might be coming out. Something might be coming out in honor of Willie turning six. Oh. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Oh my god, he's gonna be six. Like I'm emotional. <laughs> little old man. My little old man. Oh, he's no I can no longer say five and a half. I've been saying five <laughs> and a half the whole time. It's like five in a month. But yeah, like stuff like that. If you missed the initial Willie um shirts, there may or may not be something cool coming in honor of his birthday. So stay yep. tuned. Yep. And as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Maddie. And we'll see you next time with another tale. As old as crime.